sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's a pretty gruesome prayer for a child, isn't it? Um, I remember my grandfather uh, saying grace. Um, I don't know exactly what he was saying, but I do remember he would take a deep breath, and, he, and some of you have heard this before, he'd take a deep breath and say, we thank the Heavenly Father for this food which provides for us, feed our souls the bread of life. This we ask in thy name, amen. <sighs> I don't know exactly what, what was all in there. Uh, I tried Googling it to see if that was a standard prayer prayed by different people, but... Um, I, I couldn't really find anything. Some of you have heard the uh, serenity prayer. Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, an American theologian, he's the one that came up with this prayer. And I think it's prayed at most AA meetings. And it goes, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, to change the things that I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Okay, I just went by what was on the internet here. So... Um, and then, of course, some of you may know, uh, so you've learned the courage to know the difference? Okay. So, yes, yeah, wisdom. That's what I said, wisdom. That's, isn't that what I said? Courage to change the things I can. Do I go on about this for a bit? <laughs> okay. Okay. And then there was St. Francis of Assisi that uh, he taught this prayer, and this goes back about almost a thousand years, I guess. Uh, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. I said that. Where there is injury, let me sow pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, for it is in dying to self that we are born to eternal life. It's a good prayer, isn't it? And it's certainly something that you could pray whenever you wanted to. Some of you will remember back a few years ago, there's a book that came out called The Prayer of Jabez. Anybody ever heard of that? Uh, it's, it's, it was quite the fad, quite the thing at the time. Uh, literally millions of copies sold. It was a book written by Bruce Wilkinson based on an Old Testament prayer, the prayer of Jabez in 1 Chronicles 4, 9 to 10. And basically it goes like this. God, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from the evil one. And God granted his request. That's what it says in First Chronicles. And Bruce Wilkinson, I think, became a millionaire off that. So obviously God granted that prayer for Bruce. But I don't know about anybody else. And that, I mean, really in Pentecostal charismatic circles, I mean, that, everywhere you turned around, that was, somebody was talking about the prayer of Jabez. Um, I like this prayer. Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. <laughs> These are various prayers. And uh, I want to remind you of something. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. 
or when you pray, say this. And then, of course, he went on and taught the Lord's Prayer. A lot of us don't realize that as Christians, the prayer that we're supposed to be praying every day and on a regular basis is, in fact, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says this, whenever you pray, pray like this, do this. Now, i got to point something out to you, because a lot of people think that the Lord's Prayer is just one of many prayers. I just read to you six different prayers, um, and that maybe the Lord's Prayer is a seventh prayer, among many others. I want you to know some today. This is not a prayer. The Lord's Prayer is not a prayer. Rather, it is instruction on how to pray. In other words, it's an outline. We pointed that out last week. It's a model. Jesus says, when you pray, these are, the, these are the elements that you use when you pray. And this is why we see in Luke chapter 11, the uh, Lord's Prayer, it's slightly different than the version in Matthew 6. And I'm pointing this out to help you understand that Jesus is not teaching a prayer, because if he was teaching a prayer, then Luke chapter 11 would be, that, that version of the prayer would be identical to the one in Matthew 6. It's elements. Jesus is saying, these are the elements. These are the things you need to cover when you pray. And I don't know about you, but I remember, you know, as a child, uh, the song we learned in Sunday school, some of you will remember it. Read your Bible and pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Don't read your Bible and don't pray every day, and you'll shrink. Yeah, in other words, you're not going to grow if you don't pray and read your Bible. But the question is... How do you pray? And you know, it's interesting, with all the instruction and all the encouragement and all the guidance to pray, we weren't really told what exactly it was that we're supposed to pray. And so folks, really, this is what Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us what it is that we need to cover when we go into pray. And by the way, praying through the Lord's Prayer is what it means to pray in the Spirit. Why? Because we're praying according to God's will. We're praying according to the instruction given by God. So the Lord's Prayer is a model. It's not a formula. Jesus, when he gave the prayer, he didn't say, and you guys, when you start your churches, before you, before you begin the service, start every sermon or every service with saying this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. So it's not, it's not a prayer. It's rather instruction. It's a model. Uh, it's guidance on how. And I got to tell you, um, uh, you know, when I, my early days of praying as a Christian, and I, I remember some of you know I became a Christian quite young, but I was always wondering, did I, did I pray what I'm supposed to pray? Did I cover all the bases? Did I leave something out? And maybe some of you feel like that even now. Did I leave something out? Is there something that I'm missing? Well, the Lord's Prayer is basically a guide to help you so that you, you basically hit every base. And you know, if, if you are familiar with baseball, Scott, you'll, you'll back me up on this. Uh, if you don't hit every base, you don't get a home run, right? So you've got to hit every base. You've got, you've got to make sure you, you cover them all. So this really is what the prayer is about. It's, it's all about knowing what to pray. So whenever you pray through the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to tell you right now, you're touching on all the things that God wants you to pray about. Get it? Three people got it. <laughs> Let me say it one more time. Do you get it? So now we understand that when we go into pray, when we go to pray, we pray like this. When we pray, we're going to say 
these elements of the Lord's Prayer. So let's, let's take a moment just to remember what we learned last week. Uh, we said the very first words of the Lord's Prayer go as follows. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So what we're doing is we are entering into the throne room of God. Remember we said that uh, you close your eyes, you approach the throne of God, and the Bible says that because of Jesus Christ, we can approach the throne of God with boldness or with confidence. And so we come before the throne of God in his Eden headquarters. By the way, that's why we've got things decorated the way they are. It kind of looks like the Garden of Eden. Uh, well, at least it's a, it's, it's a nod to the Garden of Eden. We get into the presence of God. We begin, first of all, by praising him, by thanking God for our Savior. I don't know, do you take time every day to praise God for your Savior? You're supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be thanking God. God, thank you for Jesus who makes it possible for me to come before your throne to pray, to come with all my requests, with all my petitions. And you thank him for that special relationship that you have with him. He is our who is he? Hello. He's our father, and I am his. Thank you. That's good. And, and what are you? Are you a son? Are you a daughter? What are you? Is, is your son? Okay, Robin's a son. Okay, very, we're getting the, the gist of this. You come before the throne of God, you say, God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. You're spending the first few minutes just praising God, worshiping him, and thanking him for his goodness, thanking you for the relationship you have with him. Do you do that when you pray, when you begin to pray? Some of us, when we begin to pray, we just come with our shopping list full of requests. God, I need this, and I need that. You've got to fix this and fix that. I'm out of money. My kids are out of money. The kids have got to go to school. My kids are rebelling. My kids are throwing up. God, this is how we start our prayer. And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. We'll get to that. But first, first, let's put first things first. And the first thing you need to do is get your focus off of yourself, off of your problems, off of your needs. Get your eyes focused on God. So we focus on God, and then what we do is we begin to ask God for grace to bring glory to his name, to keep his name holy. Remember what we said last week? We said that as Christians, we have the name of God in us and on us. That's what we call ourselves Christians or Christians. We belong to Jesus. And whatever we say, whatever we do, we do not want to bring shame on his name. In fact, the Bible warns us of this. Go through the first five books of the Bible, particularly uh, after Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and see the number of times the Bible warns about bringing shame on the name of God. So every day when you go into prayer, the first thing you want to do is say, God, give me the grace to not bring shame on your name. Give me, the, give me the power of your Holy Spirit to live out this Christian life. Because I'm going to tell you something. In your own strength, in your own power, it is impossible to live the Christian life. Can I say that again? You do not have the ability, folks. You do not have the ability to bring glory to the name of God. You need the power of God working in you and through you. Would someone say amen to that? That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means you've been empowered by the Spirit of God to live this Christian life. And so every day you begin by praying, God, help me to bring glory to your name. Hallowed be thy name, or holy eyes your name, O God, in me. Amen? Okay, so we've established that. Then we go on to the next petition. And the next part of the petition says, say it with me. 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Simply put, the kingdom of God really is God's rule here on earth. When we're praying, God, let your kingdom come, we're saying, God, let your rule infiltrate our church, our families, our marriage, our children. Let your rule infiltrate our workplace through me. Let your kingdom infiltrate our community through me and through our church. This is what we're praying for. Let your kingdom come. So basically, you're you're praying, bring your kingdom and your rule to this world through your church and through me. That's what you're praying every day when you're going to pray. So, So here's the thing, folks. Before you leave the house in the morning or while you're driving to work or whatever, and in some cases, some of you will pray this prayer through the course of the day more than once. I do. What you're doing is you're, you're constantly saying, God, God, make, use me, make me uh, an instrument of your peace, an instrument of your grace, of your love, of light. Help me to be salt and light wherever I go. Let your kingdom come. And I'm going to tell you, folks, right now, this is a subversive prayer. It's, it's revolutionary. Does anybody remember reading about the revolution in France? It basically brought down the government and established a whole new government, a whole new kingdom. It brought down the kingdom and established another one. Basically, folks, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about an end to satanic rule in this world and about the establishment of God's rule, about advancing God's rule. And whether you know it or not, if you are a Christian today, then God wants to use you for that purpose. You are, uh, if you want to put it this way, you are a soldier in God's army. And God wants to use you to advance his kingdom. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you should be salt, you should be light, you should be making a difference in the world. Because we want Christ exalted. We want Jesus Christ to reign. You say, Pastor Allen, that's that sounds pretty fundamentalist. That sounds a little bit extreme. Don't we just want to just sort of be tolerant of everything and everybody? Don't we just want to sort of live and let live? Do we really want to be that vocal about our faith? Do we really, really want to push? Well, let me read this to you, and then you tell me what you think. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and Paul's giving instructions to Timothy about praying, and here's what he says. He says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. You hearing this? God's saying pray for all people. It doesn't say just pray for the people at your church. Just pray for your family. Just pray for people who are in the, in, in the Christian world. He's saying pray for all people. So you quickly recognize God's agenda, and you certainly understand Timothy's or uh, Paul's agenda. He wants the message of Jesus Christ to touch the whole world. And he says, ask God to help them. Ask God to help all people. Intercede on their behalf. We're talking about heavy-duty praying and seeking the face of God and saying, God, what is it that you want to do in the lives of the people of our community, the people I work with? But God, they're of a different religion. 
God, they're of a different culture. God, they, they don't believe. God, they're atheists. And God says, I don't care. Now, I, I know I'm pushing, pushing the envelope here a little bit, and maybe this is offensive. But here's what I'm going to tell you very quickly about Jesus Christ and the gospel. It is highly offensive. Jesus didn't say, I came to bring peace. He said, I came to bring a sword. He says, ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Wow. So not only do we pray that God will, will, will touch them and open their eyes and, and that God will bless them and help them, but God says, I want you even to give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings. Did you hear that? For prime ministers. For Prime Minister Trudeau. It says that right here in verse 2. And pray for President Trump. Yeah, it's right here in verse 2. Why do we pray for them? So that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. It's powerful stuff. Paul says to Timothy, and when you pray, understand this, verse 3. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved. Did you hear that? Folks, this is the agenda of the church. The minute the church forgets that this is who we are, this is what we're about, and that's what we mean when we pray this, if we forget this and we forget, or we, we cease to have a reason to exist. What, what's the point? God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. This is what God wants. And how does God do this? Folks, there's no plan B. There's only a plan A. And God does it through you and me. And so we pray, God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. And then watch this. Paul says, for there is only, ready for this? This is highly offensive. I know that. And if there's anybody visiting here today, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you, but I'm just going to just be honest with you. This is who we are. This is what we stand for. For there is only one God. Did you hear that? Everybody's pretty quiet this morning. What's going on? There's only one God and only one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. It's the person, Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And then Paul says, and I have been chosen as a preacher and apostle to teach this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating. I'm just telling the truth. Folks, this is what this is all about. When we pray, God, let your kingdom come, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we understand that what this world needs is Jesus. And if you are not convinced of that, folks, then you need to go back to the place of prayer and you need to wait on God and let the Spirit of God open your eyes and your ears so that you understand once again what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So that you can hear the words of Christ echoing in your ears. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Praying, folks, is essentially rebellion. 
It's a rebellion against this world order. It's a rebellion against the wisdom of our culture, the wisdom of our world, against the systems of this world, against its ways, against its philosophy. It's a rebellion against what our culture accepts as the new normal. Has anybody noticed that the new normal is very abnormal? When we were in the States just in January, and man, there's a, there's a war uh, raging over whether or not men should be able to use women's bathrooms and whether or not women should be able to use men's bathrooms. Does anybody think this is strange? But of course, you know, if you, if you adopt the philosophy of this world, then you have to say, well, I, I guess it makes sense. But folks, when you know the Word of God, when you understand that the Word of God is our gold standard, it's, it's, how we, it's, it's the instruction book, it's, it's, the, it, it's the directives that guide us on how we live our lives and how we make decisions and how we proceed from day to day and how we raise our children then you understand that, that this book is very much a subversive work. It's a rebellious work. It's a revolutionary work. In fact, Christians, uh, at, the beginning, uh, at the very beginning of time, the first 300 years, were considered uh, subversives, revolutionaries. Leaders were afraid of Christians because of what they believed, because of, because of their co- commitment, their, their holy commitment, their radical commitment to the teachings of Christ. And so we, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are rejecting the fallenness of this world. We are saying, God, I do not accept that, that this world I live in is a normal place. I do not accept that cheating, lying, and stealing is good or normal or proper. You, when you pray this prayer, you refuse to accept as normal what is very much abnormal. When you pray this prayer, you refuse to adjust your faith to make it palatable to the unbeliever. That is, by the way, one of the great strategies that's being used in, in, in our generation. We want, to, we want to water down the truth to make it acceptable, palatable to people who don't love Christ. We want to make it palatable to people who are actually opposed to the gospel. I'm going to tell you what a dangerous, dangerous route that is. Back a few months ago, I read to you statistics of churches who are trying to make the faith, make Christianity contemporary, make it palatable to people who who are not Christians. And I'm going to tell you, the statistics show clearly that every single church that has taken that path has actually begun a, a, a decline. It's a slippery slope. But every church who holds fast to the Word of God, every, every Christian holds fast to the truth, is growing. Why? Because Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But I'm going to tell you, if you're not teaching the Word of God, if you are not promoting Jesus Christ and exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, then how can Jesus build his church? When we pray this prayer, folks, we are rejecting every agenda, every scheme, every interpretation that is in disagreement with the revelation of God. I look at our culture and I'm appalled at what's going on. We've, we're calling good bad, we're calling bad good. 
The Bible actually warns about that. I feel like Popeye. Where's my can of spinach? It's all I can stand and I can't stand no more. You know what I'm talking about. I will not accept that there are multiple pathways to God because Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not accept multiple genders. God made male and female. Miley Cyrus says she's pansexual. I don't care what she calls herself. She can call herself a pot or a pan. I don't care. The Bible is clear. God made male and female. This is how we begin to understand what is the mind and the will of God, and that's by knowing the, will, the word of God. We pray, your kingdom come, your rule, here on earth as it is in heaven. Is it offensive? It is certainly offensive to those who don't know Christ. Are we to be offensive in the presentation of truth? Absolutely not. We're supposed to be kind, gentle, loving. We're supposed to exhibit the very spirit of Christ. But folks, make no mistake about it in, in portraying and exhibiting and living out the spirit of Jesus Christ. Truth will offend and that's what this prayer is. God, give me the grace that I need to live according to your will, to, to live under your rulership. I cannot accept that it's okay to love money because Jesus said you will either love one or hate the other. I cannot put myself first because Jesus said I've come to serve and to give my life as a ransom. I must be generous. In my tithes, my offerings, I must give it money to advance the kingdom of God. In Burundi and around the world, I will not accept abortion as an acceptable form of birth control. I will not accept that a woman has a right to decide whether or not she can kill her baby or not. And I know that, that right now, even as I say that, in the year 2017, I know that that sounds archaic. It sounds archaic in my ears. But folks, I have to function according to the rulership, according to the kingship of Jesus Christ. And when you go into prayer, this is what you're praying. God, give me the grace to live according to your word, to follow you, King Jesus. I will not and I cannot be silent about my faith because Jesus Christ tells me to go into all the world and share this good news with broken and hurting people. Folks, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what this prayer means. We're praying, God, rule. God, have your way. Why? For there's one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity the man Christ Jesus, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Now, I'm going to tell you, folks, people who don't know Christ, they don't understand this. And at one time, you didn't understand that. But somehow, someway, the Spirit of God spoke to you, opened your eyes, drew back the veil from your eyes so that you could see the beautiful, the lovely Lord Jesus Christ, and you could see what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. That's right, the Bible says that the, that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the eyes of those who are perishing. There's a veil before their eyes. They can't see the truth. It all sounds like mumbo-jumbo. It all sounds like nonsense. It all sounds, Christianity sounds like bigotry to them. 
until they understand who Jesus is, until they understand what Jesus Christ has done. Folks, this is what this prayer is all about. God, rule in my heart. Rule in my church. God, help my pastor to stay true to the truth. Help the pastor not to back away from what is right and true and just and holy. Folks, this part of the prayer that that we pray is all about you aligning your heart, your mind with the mind of God. Does this make sense? You're, you come to, here's what a lot of people think prayer is. God, here, here, I'm here with all my needs, and, and I, need you to, I need you to do this, and God, you tell God how to save people. We tell God how to save the earth and how to make a difference, and God, kick Trump out of office, and while you're at it, maybe kick Trudeau out of office and get this one and do that and do there and go over there and send your angels to do that. Folks, listen, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is all about you coming into the presence of God and having your mind and your heart aligned, made one with the heart and the mind of God. And we forget that. We just quickly run into prayer, and we're out of there, and we don't even know hardly what we prayed. The kind of prayer that we're talking about, first of all, is a prayer that reveres the presence of Almighty God. We are in the throne room of God. When you begin to pray, you're in the throne room of God. And folks, you need to be quiet and you need to listen to the King of Kings as he speaks to you. And then he'll begin to share with you what is on his heart. You're not telling him what to do. You're listening for his will and praying for his will to be done. Isn't that exactly what we find Jesus doing? Remember when Jesus began his ministry, all of a sudden he disappeared. The disciples said, where'd he go? I think he went to pray. They went looking for him. They found him. Jesus, what are you doing? There's crowds waiting. We've got work to do. I think, Jesus, we should build a church here because there's crowds. They love you. They think you're fantastic. And Jesus says, no, we're going somewhere else. And, Whoa, what are you talking about, Jesus? And Jesus says, well, that's why I've come. I didn't come just to set up a church here. I've come to reach all of, of Israel. You see, Jesus was just in the presence of Almighty God. He found out God's will, his mind. And God's saying, wonderful, great crowds. People are listening to you. People are being healed. People are being saved, being made whole. But move on. There's other work to be done. Folks, this is what you and I need to learn to do, is we need to learn to say, God, what is your will? What is your purpose? When you pray, God, your kingdom come, you're saying, God, rule over me. When's the last time you prayed that? God, rule over me. Help me submit to you as, as my king. You're saying, God, rule over my kids. This is what I pray for my kids every day. I'm, I'm praying especially that God will rule over their lives and that they will submit to King Jesus. I want my kids to submit to King Jesus even more than I want them to submit to me. Because if they submit to King Jesus, I got no problems as a parent. If they're not submitting to King Jesus, then we've got problems on our hands. I'm praying, God, help my church submit to King Jesus. And when our church submits to King Jesus, then we see God do amazing things. We say, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray that, you're saying, God, okay, what exactly is it that you want to do? What is it you want to do through my life? Because, God, at the end of the day, I want your will to be done. Isn't that what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, Father, really, I'd rather not go to the cross. We all know that. 
I'd rather not do this, but God, at the end of the day, I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what you want me to do. And folks, I'm going to see this all the time. As a pastor, I see, I see people making this mistake all the time. They say, no, I got, I'm going to change my plans. I'm going to do, I've got my own ideas of what I'm going to do. God, God drops something in your heart, and then suddenly you're changing. You're changing everything. You're saying, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. And Jesus says, hold on a minute here. When you're praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's God, what, what is it that you want to do through me? And help me to submit to that thing, whatever it is. And by the way, did you notice it says on earth as it is in heaven? I've got to remind you of something. When we pray on earth as it is in heaven, we understand that we are God's agents on the earth. Who are God's agents in heaven? We call them angels. That's right. They're angels. In fact, uh, they're also called the mighty host of heaven. Or uh, they're called, also called holy ones. Holy mean, meaning what? To be set apart for God's purposes. At the end of the day, that's what an angel is. He's, he's holy. He's set apart for God's purposes. The word angelos in Greek simply means messenger. Now watch this. We on earth are God's mighty host of earth. God has got his mighty host of heaven, the angels. Those are his messengers, his holy ones set apart for his purpose. Well, we are the mighty host of earth. We also are called holy. Did you know that? It's sometimes translated in your Bible as saint. And you thought the Roman Catholic Church was the only place where you could find saints. I'm going to tell you, at our church, every one of you who calls himself a Christian is a saint. You also are a holy one. Why? Because you're set apart for God's purposes. And the angels are called the messengers, while we are called sent ones. Basically the same thing. There's God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's, here's what you need to know, and I hope that chills are going up and down your spine as they're going up and down mine. When you set out to do the will of God and you pray and get your heart and your mind aligned with the will of God and you say, God, I want your will to be done in my life, in my family, in my church, at my workplace, in my home, in my community. I want you to know that heaven is on duty. And the angels themselves are there to work at your behest, at the behest of God. Why? Because you are working and functioning in partnership with God. When you go into prayer, you're having a discussion. You're conferring. Every time you go into prayer, it's like having a conference with God. You sit down, God sits down with you, and, and, and now you're going to talk. And God's going to discuss things with you. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I've been praying this prayer for over 30 years, and that's exactly the, the best way to describe it. We sit down with God, we have a discussion. And sometimes I bring other people into, this, into the discussion. Yesterday, Gloria and I had a wonderful time of prayer, praying through the Lord's Prayer, and we're discussing it. It was funny because as we were, we were praying, uh, we, we ended up uh, having to stop and, and get a cup of coffee. And, and, uh, and we thought, well, while we're waiting this long, long line, let's just go through the Lord's Prayer together. We went through the Lord's Prayer. By the time it came time to pay for our food, the guy says to us, the people in front of you paid for your food. So I said, well, I guess I'll have to pay for the people behind me. Our, our meal was like 10 bucks. And the guy behind me was $1.50, and Gloria says, it pays to pray. (laughs) (laughs) 
We're conferring with God, folks, when, when, when we pray. We sit down and say, God, what do you want to do? How, how are we going to go about this? And then we say, God, give me the grace and the strength to do this. And then Jesus makes this very interesting statement. And some of you have read this statement and you say, it doesn't work. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't work because you don't understand it. Watch this. How many have read this prayer, this verse, and thought, man, I don't have no idea what that means. John 15, 7. Want to read it with me? Do you, do you believe that? Let's try John 15. Do you believe that? Some people say, man, I don't believe that because I've tried it and it doesn't work. Well, folks, this is a persistent uh, teaching in Scripture. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, it echoes it. You can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. If you have, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be moved, and it will be moved. Here's, here's why this doesn't work for so many Christians. Are you ready for this? It's because when we pray, we're not praying according to the will of God. We're not praying, God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But here's what I can tell you, folks. If you have faith and truly believe that God is, is, is your God and he's your father and you are in partnership with him, then the Bible is very clear that when you pray, asking for anything. Remember, you're praying now according to the mind of, of God. The Bible is clear. God will give it. He will grant it. It takes faith. It takes a, a very clear understanding of God's will and a very clear understanding of God's word. You can pray according to the will of God and according to the word of God and have faith, and God will give you exactly what it is that you're praying for. And I can tell you, folks, I can't even tell you all the prayers that I prayed like this, and God has answered in miraculous ways. And I wouldn't call myself a super Christian. I'm just an average Christian like the rest of you. But I'm going to tell you, folks, when you begin to pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then watch out. God's going to start doing miracles because your mind and your heart now is aligned with God. I remember praying for my grandmother for years and wondering, God, are you hearing my prayer? She's getting old. She's in her 80s now, and you still haven't answered my prayer. I want her to be saved. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And then one day, I was visiting her in her hospital room and not knowing that she was actually on her deathbed. And her eyes were closed. She wasn't able to communicate except by squeezing my hand. I'd ask her a question. If it was a yes, she would squeeze. A no would be twice. And I said to her, Grandma, do you want to make sure that you're going to heaven? She's, and she squeezed yes. I said, can I pray with you? She squeezed yes. And I prayed a simple prayer of repentance. And I said, if you agree with what I just prayed, squeeze yes. And she squeezed yes. And it wasn't long after that that she died. I know that I'm going to see her again. You know why I know that? Because I prayed according to God's will, with faith, and according to his word. He said, was there a verse in the Bible about your grandmother? Yes. I, you didn't know that, but there's a verse about her, and it goes like this. It's not God's will that any should perish. You've been praying for your kids, your grandkids, your children. Don't stop. Pray with faith, believing, because it's the will of God. You got, you got financial problems? 
Start looking into the Word of God, listening to what God has to say. He's going to give you very clear instructions, and then He's going to meet your needs. But you're going to have to do what He says. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this prayer model that you've given to us. And we pray, God, that you would help us to start to practice it and start praying it on a daily basis. We pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We pray, O oh God, in Jesus' name, that you would give us a sense of gratefulness and gratitude for what Jesus Christ has done for us. We worship you and we praise you for that. And we praise you, O oh God, that your name is upon us. We pray that you give us the grace by your Holy Spirit to live holy lives that bring glory to your name. And we pray, Father, that your kingdom come. We pray, Father, that you would rule over each and every one of us. Father, as, your, as the pastor of this church, rule over my mind, over my spirit. God, that your will would be done here at Cross Church. For each and every one of us, I pray, God, rule over the mothers and the fathers here. Help them, O oh God, to, to, to function as parents according to your will. Help every, every man, woman, and child who's, who works outside the home. Give them the grace, O oh God, to live and to function as people of God. And we pray, God, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Even now, God, we're lifting up to you those who don't know Christ because we want to exalt Christ because people need to be saved, because people need to know Jesus. We pray for our team in Burundi right now, God. We pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. As you, send, as you have sent these people, these, these uh, messengers, your messengers on earth, uh, God, we pray that you would also send the messengers of heaven, the angels, oh God, to camp around them, to, to guide them and help them, protect them, and strengthen them as they serve you. We thank you, oh God for the great revolution called Christianity. Help us, Lord, we pray, to be faithful to the call. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me. Amen. Tell the person beside you, go pray the Lord's Prayer.